Welcome to ACE Audio, the podcast that supports, educates, informs, and motivates manual therapists around the world. episode. Once again, I'm Sean Brewster, and I'm going to start this episode today with a statement. And that statement is something that I've said many, many times in courses, and I'll continue to hammer home to students that send our courses. And that statement is, you can't solve a functional problem with a passive solution. And this is such an important thing. Now, so much of what we do in manual therapy gets a bad rap because so much of it is passive. We apply something to the body, we provide a stimulus, the body responds with a change in sensation, person feels differently, they often feel better. And that's where a lot of people draw a full stop. They go, right, well, my manual therapy technique is providing a change to the body. It's moving it towards health. It's part of the healing process. And yes, manual therapy absolutely plays an important role in clinical interventions, but it does have its limitations. I'm the biggest manual therapy advocate you'll find, but I understand its limitations. And so when we look at dysfunction, which for the most part is what presents to us clinically, we have people with pain, as a result of some kind of dysfunction. Think about the word dysfunction, lack of function in the body. Most of what we do with manual therapy provides a passive application to the body, passive intervention. And yes, there are different physiological effects as a result of that. What manual therapy can't do is strengthen tissues. It can't increase increase the robustness of our systems. It can't improve our fitness. It can't improve our circulation, our health, and all those kind of things. It doesn't have a systemic effect in the same way that, say, exercise does. Our body responds to load effectively. We apply different types of load to it throughout the day by moving, by carrying, by lifting, by challenging it. When we have a dysfunction, we have a loss of that ability, the the loss of the ability to do those things that, that require functionality. If we then try to apply a passive solution, as an example, we might try to apply massage techniques, dry needling, joint mobilization, we might do some taping, we might do some myofascial release, some cupping techniques, and they absolutely have their place. They have their limitations as well. And so we have to consider a longer timeline when it comes to the effects we're trying to achieve with our patients. So a patient comes in and they've got back pain. And as a result of that back pain, they've had some weakness in particular muscles, they have limitation of movement. And then we say, okay, jump on the table and we give them a great manual therapy treatment. They jump off the table and feel fantastic. We haven't altered the strength of those tissues. We haven't increased the the capacity of those tissues. All we've done is reduce their pain sensation. And that's really, really important. But again, we have to consider the longer timeline. So by reducing somebody's pain sensation, we now create an opportunity for movement. We We create an opportunity to introduce the functionality that the person has lost. And this is where we have to really think about what we're trying to sell to our patients when we, when we tell them what we do and what we can do for them. So we have to tell them, and, and look, you might be a specialist in manual therapy. You might be really good at those things, but you also have to recognize that if you're not great at the exercise interventions, if you're not great at giving the, the take-home advice, the, the uh, alterations to lifestyle, the dietary advice, the behavioral changes, that kind of thing, then that's okay. Be really, really good at what you are good at and then handball them on to the next person so that they can get them from where you got them to, to the next step. But if you wanna be a well-rounded practitioner, you have to consider the limitations of each component. Now this goes in the opposite direction as well. So if we have somebody who's really good at the exercise component, really good at fighting, 
uh, physical activity uh, interventions to create change in somebody's function. Well, then that's only so good when the person comes in in really acute or intense pain because there'll be, uh, there'll be a hesitance around moving. There'll be a hesitance. There'll be anxiety. There'll be fear around challenging their body in those ways. And sometimes the manual therapy is the key that unlocks that opportunity for the person to get to that next step where they can get the confidence to move, to try something that they might not have otherwise tried. So manual therapy can often be a little bit like a first aid kit. It kind of stops that really intense component of the presentation or reduces it. It might reduce the sensation of pain so that they can get them themselves to the next step where they have a little bit less apprehension, a little bit less fear, and they can move on with a little bit more confidence to try some of those other things that are involved in the movement, the functional component of the rehabilitation plan. And then there's a third part, of course, which is understanding the psychology. Now, if we don't, if we ignore the brain, if we ignore the mind of the person, the psychology, then we ignore the fact that they're a human. And we, we do that at our own peril. So we have to consider, first of all, what are the, the, the pain the, or the uh, discomfort-based limitations to them progressing from where they are now to where they need to go? Then what are the tissue-based capacity uh, problems or the tissue capacity-based problems, I should say? Where do they have weakness? Do they have um, limitation of function as a result of some inhibition, maybe some disuse over time? And then how can we incorporate movement and exercise and activity to improve the robustness of that tissue, to in increase the elasticity of certain tissues, to increase the strength of certain tissues so that it can not only just return back to normal function, but help to prevent further injury in the future. And then all along the way, that third component needs to be considered. We have to consider how is the person responding psychologically to this? In the first instance, if we're using manual therapy and the person is going, well, this is fantastic. This is, I'm just going to come back and see you every week now. That should be a bit of a red flag because they're not necessarily understanding, or maybe we haven't explained very well, the fact that that manual therapy is just a key to unlock the door. Once they get through the door, there's other things to be done. It might mean that you have to come back to the manual therapy application a number of times because you know, it, that just may be the case with the presentation. Or maybe there'll be flare-ups along the way. Maybe the exercise intervention creates a bit of a flare-up. Maybe they overdo it at some point or there's some other inputs into their daily activities that you aren't able to control and have a bit of a flare-up. It's okay, you step back to address that with the manual therapy so that you can then again step forward with the physical activity. And it's, it's never a linear progression. It would almost never be, you know, starting here and progressing upwards. It'll be an up-down, up-down, sometimes backwards and then forwards approach to getting to where you need to go. And our job as health practitioners is to explain to the person that here's what we're going to do. We're going to reduce your, aim to reduce some of your pain initially. It might not be all of your pain. We're going to get your pain under control so that you can feel a bit more confident in doing the next thing. And the next thing is about building capacity in your body and the tissues that have been affected by your injury, whatever that might be. And then with that, they build confidence. And with the confidence, they build the open mindedness to try the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And that's what gets them to where they need to go. It's really them progressing with your assistance. You're not leading them. We're pointing them in the right direction, providing them with the tools and allowing the body to make the progress it needs to make. Okay. So again, I want to reiterate, I'm a really big fan of manual therapy. I've used it my entire career and I'll continue to advocate for it. I think it's a fantastic tool. I'm also a fan of exercise, of strengthening the body and providing it the inputs it needs to be able to, to increase its capacity to withstand any kind of load that we might throw at it. I'm also a fan of understanding the mind of the patient and considering the whole person, the psychology of 
the experience that they went through with that injury, if it was an injury, the experience they've gone through in that, that time that they've been in pain, and the different components that make up their experience of, I should say, the, the different components that uh, lead them to believe certain things about the, their current condition and how it might progress over time. And then what we can do to change that, to help them understand it more clearly with more truth rather than the made-up stories that our brain typically gives ourselves when we feel pain. So there's this kind of the three parts that I think make up uh, an effective rehabilitation program. We're coming back to the original statement of you can't solve a functional problem with a passive solution. You can start to solve it, but the real solution has to involve some kind of functional intervention as well. Okay, something to consider. Thanks for listening. <laughs>